0: We're continuing in our series. He shall be called. Um, when Hosanna and I first moved up here, uh, let's see, 14 years ago, um, a little over 14 years ago, um, she's she's from Micronesia, like a, a, a tropical island. And, uh, and doesn't, doesn't you know, the Northwest is a foreign land to her. When we moved here from Southern California, her friends in Southern California said, it's like you're moving to Serbia. I don't even know what's up there. It's just like the great north of some sort. But uh, when we moved up here, I, I I knew that over in Redmond, we were taking a trip to Redmond, and I said to her, hey, do you want to see the reindeer farm? And she looked at me and goes, right. And I, I'm telling this story, by the way, with her permission. And, and, uh, and I was like... So, you, you, you do? You don't? She goes, okay, Brent, sure, right. Reindeer, gotcha. You know, she's... And I was like, I, I don't know how to read this. And she's like, Brent, I'm not so naive. I'm not, you know, that gullible. I know reindeer aren't real. And uh, and I was like, okay, I've got something to tell you. I was like, they might not go flying by the car right now, but they they are indeed real. And so... Um, and so she got to experience reindeer for the first time. I did, I should have, in all fairness, probably called them caribou, which is their more common name, but it was a lot of fun just being like, seeing her go, okay brain, yeah, reindeer, wink, you know, and there goes Santa Claus. Um, but, uh, uh, there's there's the things that are just unbelievable, you know. That's that's a that's a fairy tale that's made up. And and today I've entitled my message Believe the Impossible. Um a, a better title for it would probably be Believe in the One Who Does the Impossible. And uh and so we're going to be digging into our our source scripture. So if you have your Bibles again, open them with me to Isaiah chapter 9, um starting in verse 6. And it says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. Well this morning we're looking at the second part of this title that Isaiah gave him last week. We talked about wonderful counselor and this morning we are looking at when he calls him mighty God, mighty God. So in the Hebrew language the most simple form of the word God is L, E-L, L. And uh and then it's often used though in conjunction with other Hebrew words that give it a variety of more specific names, like we've heard the name El Shaddai, which means God Almighty, or Elion, which means God most high. Um, and so Isaiah here uses one of the El words, but it's it's an uncommon term that's not used very often. It's El Gibor. El Gabor," which transla- translates as "mighty God" or "strong champion." As a matter of fact, if you look in the Old Testament and read some of the stories about the, the, the warriors that were heroes in the Old Testaments, this is, this is the word that's used Gabor, which is a term for a champion warrior. It's a term um, actually Martin Luther translate in his translation of the Bible, translated El Gabor as hero. Like God, our hero. It's God who does heroic acts. It's Jesus, the mighty son of God, our salvation, our hero that came down. And so this is what Isaiah is talking about. Jesus, our hero. God is a hero. He does heroic acts. And so when Jesus was born, he was given the name Jesus, which means Jehovah saves Heroic acts comes in and saves us. Nothing compares to the might of our God. Nothing compares to the heroic acts. Nothing compares to the might and the salvation that comes through our God. Amen? So I did a Google search. I was thinking about mighty things. So I did a Google search and I, I, I Googled most powerful things on earth, which brought up some really fascinating odds and results. I got um, some sites like Popular Mechanics that gave a list. Some things were like pound for pound, what was, you know, really mighty, and they were listed some like dung beetles, which I'm like, that's really gross and weird, but okay. But uh, there's different things, but some of the things that it talked about that are, that are mighty, one of them was an electromagnetic rail gun that was developed by the Navy. I don't think they're actually still continuing this project, but it is capable of accelerating a 23-pound projectile up to 5,000 miles per hour in one one-hundredth of a second, and it can throw that 23-pound object a hundred miles. It's an incredible piece of machinery. There, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible thing. Um, in China, there's something called the Three Gorges Dam. It's the largest dam in the world. It is taller than the Washington Monument, and it's several thousand feet longer than the Brooklyn Bridge. And it produces 274,000 megawatts of power each day. I don't even know how to... I don't know what that number even means, really. But the way they broke it down was... Each day, it produces enough power to power the entire city of Orlando for a week. Uh, No, double that, for two weeks. In one day, it produces enough power to power the city of Orlando for two whole weeks. Um, Just an incredible feet of engineering and such power that goes through that. Another thing it listed was the Bell AZ 75710 dump truck. I want to drive this thing. That looks like fun. A lot of guys are like, oh yeah. It weighs 800,000 pounds empty. Fully loaded, it approaches 2 million pounds. Try parallel parking that thing right there. Go um, you guys with your macho diesel trucks, you'll need to do some more chip uh, tweaking on there to get up to its horsepower. It puts out 2,300 horsepower through its diesel generators, and this thing can move a whole lot of earth. Uh, the Peterbilt semi-truck that's named Shockwave. I got to see this with my boys a couple summers ago at an air show. Do you remember that, Gavin? It was so cool. That thing is uh, not standard semi-truck you see going down I-5. Um, <laughs> The ones you get stuck behind, they're going like a half a mile an hour faster than the other one. This one would pass real quick. Um, this, this thing has um, uh, got some Pratt & Whitney J34-48 jet engines bolted to the back. And uh, it can run the quarter mile in 6.5 seconds. Eat that, Paul Walker. All right? That is quick. Um, as a matter of fact, um, it's got 36,000 horsepower and it can regularly hit speeds of 376 miles per hour. That's quick. This last thing, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I put so I put the the, the text underneath of what it's called because it's like in Norwegian or something, a uh, Finland or so, Finnish, um, but it's the something or other RTA 96C diesel engine, and you can see it here being pulled by a semi truck. That right there is the engine, and it's massive. the cr- uh, It's it's the world's largest reciprocating engine. The crankshaft alone weighs 300 tons. You can see some engineers there standing by it. This generates 109,000 horsepower and it moves the world's largest container ship. It's pretty amazing, but despite all that horsepower and the size of this, it probably still have a hard time pulling you up on water skis, but it's still an amazing piece of engineering. So when you think of the mightiest things on earth, you might think of various things like the space shuttle, when you watch that launch on TV, or Niagara Falls, maybe something in nature, or aircraft carriers, or atomic reactions, you watch the tests that were done back in the uh, during the Cold War. All of these things are sources of amazing power, incredible engineering, but yet none of them, even combined, can hold a candle to the power and majesty and might of our God. None of them can even come close to comparing to the might and the power of our God. Our God's might is beyond our understanding. He isn't just different than us. He is other than us. You catch that? I, I follow like ESPN on Instagram and they'll show like a guy dunking a basketball and they go, This guy is built different. God's not just built different than us, he is completely other than us. He is above all. He is he is supreme. He is he is not limited by anything else. As a matter of fact, the Latin prefix omni means all. All encompassing. So when scripture describes God, it uses these characteristics of omni. First of all, like omniscient. Omniscient means God is all knowing. He knows all things. Whether it happened in the past, whether it's going to happen in the future, what's going on now. Nothing surprises God. His knowledge is total. It's complete. In the book of Psalm chapter 147, it says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. It doesn't have any limit. God is that big. The Bible also tells us that God is omnipresent. He's not limited by space and time. It's not that he can be there so he can't be over here, but he is in all places. He encompasses the whole universe. There's no place that's separate from God's presence. In Psalm 139 verse 7, it says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. That's incredible to me. Right now, all over the world, God is with people. He's with the people right now in Germany. He's, he's with the people in South Africa. He's with people in Brazil and, and Japan and the Philippines and Australia. And you go through the list. No matter where you are today, God's presence is with you. And you think about churches around our world that over the last 24 hours and and some time to come yet are are gathering together in the presence of God just as real as we are right now, just as present right now as we are. God is there with them. He is uh, omnipresent. Um, um, God also is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He has supreme power. He's not subject to our physical limitations. There's nothing outside of his power. So, if you remember last week, we talked about the story of Isaiah. We, we went and dug into why we're, what was going on in Isaiah as he wrote about who Jesus is going to be. He will be called, all these things. And the story that was going on with Ahaz. Remember, Ahaz was an evil king at the time and he was making an alliance with with uh, uh, the king of Assyria to try to avoid being invaded by another army and 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 despite God telling him, you need to trust me, he, he did his own thing. And so this whole thing was going on and Isaiah was prophesying trying to get the people to return back to God so that this didn't happen. Trust God. Stop serving these false idols. They're not going to lead you anywhere you want to be, there's going to be destruction. He's warning the people, but Ahaz makes his own decision, and for the time being, he saves Judah from invasion. But how many of you guys know that sin might work for a minute, but there's something else coming down the road? So he saves Israel for a minute, but the next generation comes, and Isaiah dies away, and and this 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 generation dies away, and a new prophet comes forward, and his name is Jeremiah, and. So now that Israel has been taken into captivity by Assyria, they're gone. And just Judah remains. And, and this prophet Jeremiah comes along. And he starts to warn the same warnings that Isaiah had been making. His ancestors saying, you guys, judgment is coming. It's, it's going to happen. He's warning the people. But again, it's falling on deaf ears. They aren't listening. They aren't listening to the voice of God. And so if you'll join with me in Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah 32 What's going on here is Babylon, indeed, has surrounded Jerusalem. You remember, Isaiah's warning to the people, warning them, this judgment is coming, it's going to happen. And then Jeremiah sees it coming, and sure enough, Babylon has taken over Assyria, it's defeated Assyria, the former uh, the ally of, of, of Judah, and now it has come and it has surrounded Jerusalem, and they are under siege. And so Jerusalem is under siege, and Jeremiah goes out and says, you guys are doomed, I warned you, you need to turn back to God. This is gonna, bad things are gonna happen. And believe it or not, the king didn't like this negative, this negative report. So do you know, do you know what he did with Jeremiah? He grabbed him and threw him in prison. Talk about, uh, so much for free speech, right? You can't share your opinion. He's just thrown in prison. He didn't like that, that what was going on. And so Jeremiah is sitting in prison. The city is surrounded by Babylon. And the word of God comes to Jeremiah. And do you know what God tells Jeremiah to do? Go buy some real estate. That literally, God comes to Jeremiah and says, listen, I want you to go buy some land. There's a nice field. Go ahead and go buy that. Jeremiah's probably thinking, who's going to care about who holds the deed to this land? I'm literally the invading army that is coming to haul us off into captivity is probably camped on that land right now. And you want me to go buy property? And and it's just it seems absurd. It it would be a a message that 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 would would make absolutely no sense. Jeremiah could see what was in front of him. First and foremost, he was in prison. You can't enjoy land very much in prison. But secondly, he's 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 the city is surrounded. The country is about to be invaded, and they're about to be deported all over the world and be scattered. And so he, 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 this this is something that just makes no absolutely no sense. Can I tell you, it is difficult to trust God when we can't, when we can see the troubles that we're surrounded by, but we can't see God. I can see a lot of my problems. I can see the bank account balance. I can see the economic reports that are coming through. I can see my, my, my child's report card, or for some of you maybe their criminal record. I can see the doctor's medical report. I can see the bills that are building on the counter. I can see these things. These are measurable. You see, we have finite minds. We can measure, we we can control or understand what we can measure and what we can control. We have these finite minds, but we can only grasp and measure what we can see and what we can understand. But God is beyond these things. God is bigger than these things. And God, God, limits have no meaning to our God. God is able to do in the face of the impossible. God is able to do in the face of what's impossible. And here Jeremiah is sitting in prison. He's, he's sitting there rotting away in prison. And there's an invading army around. And God says, go buy some property. And it doesn't make any sense. But he says, I'm going to trust you, God, despite what I can't see. In John chapter 20, Jesus challenges us. He says, blessed are those who believe when they don't see. When you can't see the answer, when you can't figure it all out, when you can't have it in your little box, trust God. And so Jeremiah obeys God. And here's what Jeremiah, the realization he comes to in verse 17, if you were with me in Jeremiah 32, in verse 17, he says this. He says, Ah, Lord God. Now let me pause there. Ah. This is not like a Sherlock Holmes like, ah, like ah, ah, Lord God. This word, I looked it up, it's really interesting, is actually an exclamation in Hebrew of like, pain, of shock, of surprise. Ah! Jeremiah comes to a sudden, boom, realization of how great God is. It's not like a dawning, ah, but, ah! Lord God! It's this shocking moment of this exclamation. He says, "Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you." Yeah. Jeremiah comes to this knowledge of, "Wow, look how big my God is! I'm in prison. I, I'm, I'm surrounded by a foreign invading army. Everything's coming down on us." He's telling me to do something that's out of uh, this. Doesn't make any sense, but whoa, God, you're huge. Whoa, God, you're, you're so mighty. You made the heavens. You made the earth. All of this is yours and nothing is impossible for you. And then God responds to him in verse 27. He says, is anything too hard for me? Is anything out of my control? And Jeremiah comes to a realization in this moment. He comes to a realization that in this time of unspeakable odds, when reality would seem to speak otherwise, when all the facts would balance otherwise, when nothing adds up to our human minds, we can still live in confidence of who God is. We can still live in confidence that we have a mighty God. And he comes to this realization And God works through Jeremiah and this prophecy and his act because it becomes a promise for the people because along the way God says that once again land will be bought and sold in this nation again. There will be sovereignty once again and God works through this situation but in the process... Not understanding the end result, but in the process, Jeremiah comes to an unspeakable knowledge and confidence in God. We in our lives can scream to a city that is lost and stumbling in a wilderness of uncertainty, a knowledge that we stand secure and firm in an unshakable God. No matter what circumstances we face, it can't mute the power of our omnipotent God. No matter what it is, it can't mute the power of our omnipotent God. In Luke chapter 1, there's a story that's told about a guy named Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest of God and he serves in the temple and he's married to a woman named Elizabeth. And they are both getting old. A ripe old age. I'm trying to remember the, the term that was used uh, uh, in, the, in the King James Version, I believe it's, it's something along the lines of, they were, oh, I'm going to have to look that up, because the, the King James Version uses a really funny phrase for how old they were. They were old. And uh, the angel shows up to, to, to Zechariah as he's serving in the temple, and it startles him, it's terrifying, and the angel has to calm him down. It's okay, Je- Zechariah, I'm, I'm here to tell you good news, I've got great news for you. He says, I am going to tell you that you are going to have a son. And he's going to be a blessing and he's going to usher in the new kingdom of God that Jesus, he's going to, he's going to proclaim Christ. And he tells Zechariah these things. And Zechariah, a priest of God in this moment, has, his, has some questions, has some doubts. A priest. And he's standing in front of an angel. And he's like, Is this real? Let me tell you, I'm a pastor been a pastor for quite a while now, and I still have my doubts. Being a pastor doesn't free me from doubt, it doesn't free me from questions, it doesn't free me from times where my humanity would say otherwise, but 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 Zechariah in the same situation, he's of the priesthood, and he's he's standing in front of an angel, and he goes, could it be really so? And here's the response, it says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. God, can you really do this? And this story has a really interesting parallel of one that happens in the Old Testament. Some of you might know it right away what I'm talking about, of Abraham and his wife Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were told that they would ha- be the, the, the parents of nations, and, and the problem was, it's hard to be parents of nations when you're not parents of one." And they were waiting and waiting for God's promise to come through, and, and, and it wasn't happening. And one day the Lord shows up and has dinner with Ab- Abraham, and he says, "Abraham, I want you to know that uh, soon you're going to have a son." But by this time, Abraham and Sarah were about 80 and 100 years old, respectively. That's pretty old to be getting pregnant. And the Bible says that Sarah actually laughed to herself. Like, (laughs) right? And God says, the Lord says to Abraham, why did she laugh? In Genesis 18, 13, he says, why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? He says, then, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, nothing, nothing, nothing is too difficult for our God. There is nothing that is too difficult for our God. I love the way that A.W. Tozer kind of frames it, and I'm going to summarize here, but he says that if God has all the power that is to be had, literally there's nothing outside the scope of His power, since He has the ability at His will to do anything He wants, at any time He wants, that means nothing is easier or harder for God. Did you catch that? That means nothing is easier or harder with God. Hard and easy have no meaning. They don't apply because he has all of the power. God can do anything as easily as he can do anything else. There's not one thing that God's like, well, that's a bigger task, though. It's all the same. All the power is his. All the power is his. And so if God, if this God we serve is not all powerful, and if he is not all able, then he's not worth worshiping. If we had a limited God who was like, I can make plants grow real fast, that's about it. That's my trick. He would not be worth worshiping. We serve a God who who is limitless, who is unlimited in his power. God can open doors that no man can shut. And so we have, church, the opportunity to come to him with boldness this morning. We have the opportunity to come to him with boldness this morning and Luke chapter 8 verse 43, it tells the story of a woman who had a bleeding disorder. And she'd had it for a long time. But yet she came with confidence and she came with boldness and she pushed through the crowd knowing if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, my life will be forever changed. And she came through and her life was forever changed because she came through with boldness. This was a disease that she had for 12 years. She could have said, you know what, this is just the way my life is always going to be. She could have said, uh, I'm just really grown tired of praying about this. I've really grown tired of going to doctors about this. But she didn't give up. She pushed through and, 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 and she pushed through and said, I am going to reach Jesus no matter what. As a matter of fact, this act was an act that was actually illegal at the time. Because she had this bleeding disorder, she wasn't allowed to have contact with any other person. But she pushed through the crowd to reach Jesus. She came with boldness. And this morning, we can come to Jesus with boldness. In Matthew 9, 27, Jesus is walking and he's followed by two blind men and they're calling out for Jesus to heal him. And he turns around and looks looks at them and he asks, do you believe that I am able? Do you believe that I'm able? This morning, I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that he is able? Do you believe that Jesus is able? And the second part of this question is do you believe that Jesus is for you? If you can bring the keys down just a little bit, I want to make sure I'm heard here. Do you believe that Jesus is actually for you? Because sometimes we believe, yes, he's a good God. Yes, he's able. But would he really do that for me? Do you believe that Jesus is for you today? He is able and he is for you. And so this morning, I want you to invite Jesus into your circumstance this morning. Max Lucado talks about when things happen in our world, God... Gets into the situation. God gets into red seas that need to be parted. God God gets into big fish. God gets into lion's dens and into furnaces. He gets into jail cells. He gets into funerals. God gets into our situations. God doesn't just stand on the sidelines and cheer us on and go, I hope things go well. But God actually enters into our circumstances. That is why He is Jesus Emmanuel. He is God with us. Not just God cheering us on from a cloud up above, but God with us in our circumstances. We have hope in the face of uncertain times because Emmanuel, God, is with us. We have durable hope because Emmanuel, God, is with us. We know that circumstances can change and God does miracles because God is Emmanuel. God is with us. This morning, we're going to respond in that way. So if I could, let's all stand together. I want to ask those that are on our prayer team, our elders and our pastors to come forward and to spread evenly across the front. And we are going to take a few moments... And responding to this God who is not limited by anything. Nothing is outside of His control. We believe that He is able and we believe that He is for us. Amen? He is God Almighty. And so this morning, here's what I want us to do. If you have anything in your heart that you need prayer about, maybe you have a physical ailment, there is something that you've been carrying a long time, and it's time to come to the healer, I invite you to come forward. He is for you. Maybe you've been carrying some emotional wounds that are very deep. Maybe something was done to you that was out of your power, and you've been carrying the weight of that, something that wasn't your fault, and you need the healer. I invite you to come forward for prayer this morning. Perhaps you have a loved one. You go, God, will you ever reach them? Let me tell you, He is here this morning. Don't give up the fight. Don't give up the fight. Continue to pray it through. See God through in his promises. So this morning, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you forward. And let's come seek our God this morning. And if you don't have anything that you want prayed for by one of our team, I invite you to come forward and just pursue God this morning. We ended early. You'll still get to the buffet on time. Let's come and seek God. Father, right now, we believe that you are King of kings, Lord of lords, that you are God who is powerful, that there is nothing that is outside of your control, and you are Emmanuel, God with us. This mighty God is not just on high somewhere looking it over, but he is here now. And we lean into this knowledge of truth that there is nothing more powerful than you. You're not just different than us, you are other than us. You are so strong and mighty. And this morning we respond and we come forward to receive with boldness and certainty that you are for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's come forward right now, church. Let's pursue God. Let's seek God together. something we are still early can I ask you to all come forward this morning and gather around the front here we had many that responded up front but I know that there are many 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 push forward if you can make room I know there are many 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 more stories and miracles that are needed But let me encourage you to push forward in faith and in boldness. Push forward in faith and in boldness with courage, saying, God, I believe you. This woman was risking a lot by pushing through the crowd to say, I need a miracle. I encourage you to not let fear hold you back. The enemy would want nothing more than to lock you up and to say, there's there's nothing for you. It's all, you've tried this too many times before. You've tried, how many years has it been and there's been no answer? Can I tell you, keep pushing through. Keep pushing through. Believe God for what he has promised and watch a miracle happen believe Him for it, see it through, and then remember it and recall it. You know, the people of Israel, when God would do a miracle then, they were like, let's get some rocks. And they piled up the rocks so that they wouldn't forget what God had done. I want to, I'll put this link up again. We have a, a website, a link on our website of miracles that God has done, testimonies of what God has done in people's lives, healings, financial miracles that you wouldn't believe. And we'll post that again this week to remind us that God does miracles it's not just hopeful thinking. We're not just throwing wishes up against the ceiling. We were just in Macy's the other day and they have the the wish meter with the letters to Santa Claus. We aren't writing letters to Santa Claus. We are going to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who does miracles, a mighty God. This is our God that we serve. This is our God that we serve. So this morning, I want us to sing this song together that says, I'll stand before we go, all right? Sing this with us. And I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all and i'll stand my soul lord to you surrendered all i am is yours sing that one more time and i'll stand Arms high and heart abandoned, in awe of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. Sing, all I am is yours, Lord. We sing, all I am is yours. Yes, Lord. This morning to the King of Kings. All things are yours, including us. We are in your hands, we believe. And we entrust it to you this morning, Jesus, that you will continue to do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine. We thank you for it, Father. Amen. This morning, before we go, I want to read to you from Jude chapter 1. Then we'll be dismissed, and you can get to the buffet, I promise. Jude chapter one. This Bible is paginated. Here, I'll just read it from my notes here. It says this: all glory to him who alone is God, our our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory and majesty, power, and authority are his before all time, and in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. Give me an amen church. Amen. Give me an amen church. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. God bless you New Life Church. We will see you next Sunday. Remember the or actually tonight, remember we're going to be doing our our uh, gingerbread house building. Um, so we have, I, I don't know if it was mentioned, but everyone has pretty much been accounted for. But if you have one, bring one. It doesn't have to be the same kit. Um, we have, might have a couple extras. So if you come, maybe God will multiply it. It's gonna be like the bread and fish, you know? So, um, so make sure you're here with us tonight. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.